Hello everybody, Press Gallery host Emma Graney here. Before we get into this week's episode, just another quick reminder to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and now on Spotify as well. Uh, if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. It does help. And tell all your nerdy Alberta politics friends about us. We do do this twice a week, every week, here on the Press Gallery, week three of the election. Get yourself a coffee and enjoy this week's episode. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney. It is Friday, April 5, 2019, and this is the Alberta Election Week 3 edition. Yes, I am getting creative with these titles, everybody, because I'm too tired to do otherwise. I think that's fine, and it sums up exactly what's happening. What day is it? Where am I? Who am I? With me today, Claire Clancy, my fellow legislative reporter. How are you, mate? I'm like you. I think you had a very good description. Time seems to be dissolving. And (laughs) yeah, we're just living our lives here. It's week three, getting through it. Keith Duran, political columnist, how are you? Hi, can we call this, is is this thing over yet edition? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's not, next week. No. Instead of week four, we'll just go seriously, <laughs> stop this nonsense edition. <laughs> oh, damn it, now I've already told everyone what it's going to be called. Uh, and our boss, Dave Breckenridge, how are you, mate? Good. And, you know, for someone who has the cushy joy of sitting in the office while the three of you are out covering the election, <laughs> the fact that I feel... Is this over yet? Shows. <laughs> you you all have to be out there and on the ground and doing. I'm just you know. It's kind of like like that uh, that sympathy pregnancy thing that some husbands <laughs> get. You know, where they develop all the symptoms. You're just looking at us, exhausted and utterly no idea what's going on, and broken in the corner of the newsroom, going, "I feel it, guys." Yeah. <laughs> so today, <laughs> so today, as you might. Well, imagine if you're into Alberta politics at all, you will know that the leaders debate was on last night. So we're going to talk about that. What a surprise. Uh, We're also going to talk about some of the latest developments around candidates, specifically Mark Smith in the United Conservative Party. We're also going to do a little bit about maybe talking about uh, a court case that was in court this week, as court cases so often are. Look at me, professional communicator. Good job, Emma. Um, let's get right down to it, though. I do want to start with the leaders debate because that did just happen mere hours ago as we are sitting around the uh, Edmonton Journal podcast studio table. I was in there watching it, so I think I got a slightly different view than you guys did. I got to see it between the ad breaks when they all brought in stools and kind of sat them down and like, you know, retouched their makeups. And I felt like they were given smelling salts. It felt very much like a boxing match when they kind of <laughs> run in with, with stools for everyone to sit on. Just like, okay, man, take a breath. You got this. Bam, bam, bam. Anyway, that's what I saw. What did you guys see? Uh, Keith, I want to pick your brains on this. You you have lots of opinions about things. Yeah, right. Um, paid for <laughs> Who those won the now. debate? Yeah. Uh, no one won the debate. Um, and that's frankly how most debates usually go. There is no sort of clear cut winner in, in most of these things. We got uh, perhaps spoiled or, or our expectations were changed a little bit because last time in 2015, Rachel Notley was very clearly the winner of that debate. This time, 
uh, she, you know, those, those were the expectations for her. I think a lot of people were hoping or expecting she would do that well again. Uh, but that was always going to be a really, really tall order. And so, no, she didn't repeat the magic of 2015. She made s- some good points. I thought performed quite well, but so did Jason Kenny. So did David Kahn. So did Stephen Mandel. I thought all four, you can make a case for any four of those, uh, folks winning the debate. Uh, I think they all made a, some points that they felt like they had to do to uh, to get their their message across. Um, but this was not this did not live up to I think the the quality of the last two debates in Alberta. I think this one was a little more bland. And for voters out there, like we see these politicians all the time, right? We know their talking points. We know their strengths and weaknesses. And so for, for us uh, who cover this, this was a, largely a repeat of those things. But for viewers who maybe this, you know, the debate was the, the only time, the only research they've invested so far in the election, I'm not sure anything that happened last night really helped them to decide who to vote for. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with a, a lot of with what a lot of Keith said. You, watching the leaders last night, I think the only one who, who came out of it maybe a little better than anybody else, but not in the sense of winning the debate, but was David Kahn. Because I think for a lot of Albertans, David Kahn was an unknown quantity and he really acquitted himself well. He made some good points. He was on the attack on everybody on the floor. He had a few good shots at Stephen Mandel. And I think just in terms of making himself visible in the campaign where they may not have been doing so well before, it was a good thing. Now, does that translate into more votes for the Liberal Party? (laughs) You know, they're not running a full slate of candidates. You'd be hard pressed to figure out who some of these candidates are. They don't really have anyone with any star power, so to speak. Like you look at the Alberta Party, they have former Edmonton mayor. They have, um, Catherine O'Neill. I no. Yes. Yes. Hey, that's her name. Sorry. Was, I, I yeah. blanked. I'm tired. She has, she has a reputation in Alberta politics. So David Kahn is really who the, uh, the liberal party's, uh, hopes are riding on. And I think that he did a good job in kind of inserting himself into the conversation. I was surprised with how well Kahn did. I didn't honestly really expect that because the others all three, Jason Kenney, Rachel Notley, Stephen Mandel, they're all politicians. I mean, they've all been politicians for quite some time. They've they've got the experience. They've done the debates. They've done this before. David Kahn hasn't done this before. Um, I mean, sure, he's a lawyer and he did point that out, which I would just like to say was a seriously good burn. He's like, well, I'm the only constitutional lawyer up here on stage. He said that a couple of times. It was yeah. fun. I yeah. think he, he bordered closely on Brian Jean's I will not raise your taxes line from the 2015 debate oh, yeah. with the I am the only constitutional lawyer uh, <laughs> line. Uh, but aside from that, it was, a, it was a strong performance from Kahn. I think yeah. one thing about the debate last night is that I, I agree. I don't think there was really a clear winner, but there were some missed opportunities, I think, for yeah, Rachel Notley, especially um, when certain social issues came up. So, for example, we've seen tons of discussion around the GSA issue and that question. I think her answers weren't as tough as they might have been yep. uh, to Jason Kenney. Um, and then when they during the debate, one of the interesting kind of exchanges was around uh, controversies that have kind of plagued both Kenney's and Notley's campaigns uh, with Notley. It's the uh, accusation of two NDP MLAs um, being involved in sexual misconduct since t- 2015. And with Kenny, it's related to the kamikaze uh, kerfuffle that has just <laughs> been a rolling saga for us. 
Um, but I thought that exchange was really interesting because they did kind of take shots at each other, but nothing to the degree that I expected. Um, and yeah, I wonder if maybe after that debate, if especially Rachel Notley, because the NDP are behind in the polls, if she felt like maybe they missed some opportunities there where they could have maybe changed the tide of Alberta voters a bit. Well, on missed opportunities, it did seem like Rachel Notley was talking about what Jason Kenney would do, what a UCP government would do, as opposed to here's some stuff we did. Look, we, mm-hmm. ch- we cut child poverty in half. Look, we've done all this stuff with – I mean, one of the questions was about what would you do basically to diversify the economy. She didn't mention the petrochemical investment once. That didn't even come up. I mean, and that's something that the UCP says that they're probably going to continue and keep doing because it's a great program. So why would you not bring up successful stuff that can prove, look, as opposed to like, you know, Jason Kenney saying, well, you can't handle the economy. And there are some very real criticisms that he leveled at them there, you know, the debt's out of control, the deficit, um, what exactly are you doing financially? And he's preying upon the fears of Albertans economically, which is a totally fair thing to do because we've just come out of a recession, right? But they didn't, Rachel Notley did not highlight stuff that the NDP has done throughout its term. I, I agree. And I think um, I think it's easier for me to talk a little bit about Notley's performance just because I've been covering her campaign. Right, yeah, yeah. So I think it was interesting for me to watch her uh, during that debate because I just I just felt like she's been better almost in news conferences and at rallies. She gives very good speeches. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I did expect a bit more. But I, I like I, I talked to Lori Williams, a Mount Royal University political scientist last night after the debate. And and she said, you know, all the leaders had weak moments, uh, but but there was no winner. And, and Notley also she performed well on certain questions for sure. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, when Mandel went after the premier about the fact that the NDP has not revealed these these two MLAs uh, involved in sexual misconduct. She spent she wasted her answer to that. Uh, she spent all thirty seconds defending what the NDP had done. Uh, what she should have done, at least in my view, is spent the first ten seconds say we took care of this. Uh, we hired an independent investigator. But if you want to talk about problems with MLAs, let's just look over at Mr. Kenny. She didn't do that again. I, I thought that was a missed opportunity right there. Yeah, there were there were points where. She should have been more forceful going after Jason Kenney, but there were other points where instead of talking about her own record, she was going after Jason Kenney. It seemed like her focus on certain answers should have been different. You know, sitting here as the armchair quarterback, there were times where I was wondering, (laughs) well, just what are you going to do? Forget about him. What are you going to do? But then there were other moments where, as Keith said, you're right. She should have. She could have easily turned that into solid attack points. And the debate was more important for her, we should say, because the UCP are so far ahead in the polls that have been coming out in rural areas and in Calgary. So I think really the um, the premier really needed that debate to be a, a way to remind Albertans why they maybe voted for the NDP in 2015. In that sense, you could say that Rachel Notley lost the debate because she was the one that needed mostly to make up ground on Jason Kenney. I don't think she did that. I wouldn't say she lost the debate on a, on a balance of probabilities, but given that she needed to make some progress, that was her main goal. Uh, she probably didn't do that. Jason Kenney can say, well, at least I didn't lose the debate. Therefore, it's probably not going to affect my lead that much. Mandel cracked me up. Though. I wanted to point out that really <laughs> funny exchange between Mandel and Khan oh, over healthcare because was, that made me laugh. Yeah. So basically, um, David Khan, the question was about healthcare and David Khan, liberal leader, got up and said something along the lines of, 
Well, you know, the Liberal Party is the only one that something about the Alberta Party said the other day that they would privatize healthcare. And I was sitting in the studio because I was on the panel asking questions. And Mandel's head kind of snaps up and he throws his hands. He's like, What? 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 No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And Khan's like, Yes, you did. No, he didn't. Yes, you did. I heard it with my own ears, blah, 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 blah. And, and Mandel's just like, No, he didn't. That's not true. What? And he just, the look on his face, he was just. He was. <laughs> it was such a fun exchange, and then it ended with Mandel saying something along the lines of, um, "What you spo- you've been smoking, you've been smoking something, you, something shouldn't. you shouldn't have been." Yeah, it's legal which, now, Mandel. Yes, so that's it's true. also that. I know, but- not legal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't we absolutely clear what he was talking about there. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, solid point. Um, yeah, but I mean, there were some. There were a couple of zingers in there. Not as much as I don't know. I, I haven't been involved with previous leaders debates before, but no, um, fewer. Definitely Definitely fewer zingers. One of the other ones uh, that I kind of put in my story because it was an interesting one was um, when Rachel Notley talked about how jobs in Calgary would be killed if the UCP scrapped the rail deal to increase capacity to uh, for the oil differential. And uh, Kenny's retort was, um, with, oh, ex- with respect, you're the expert at killing jobs in downtown Calgary. That <laughs> yeah. was a good line. line. That was yeah. a very good line. On the other hand, with Jason Kenney, because I was watching his performance quite closely in this one, as well as you know our, our likely next premier, uh, and he did okay. Obviously, this was a tough week for him, and we're going to talk about some of those coming up here in a moment, uh, some of those things that have made it a tough week. So this was a difficult atmosphere for him to go into. I thought he did okay. I'm not sure that he did anything to make himself seem more likable. I'm not sure he did anything to really alleviate those controversies out there. But I think you can say he probably got through the debate without suffering any further damage on those. Yeah, so. again, I really they didn't, didn't concentrate on them, right? Yeah. They didn't slam them as much as and they could have I just didn't love the narrative he took about like, we're being smeared, we're being attacked. I thought that went on the a bit too cut? much. Yeah, I was just kind of like, okay, like it's, you know, we get the point. You feel like the party's being attacked. But I don't know if viewers really would look at that and be like sympathetic to that uh, perspective. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, it was a fun watch. Um, hello to all our new listeners, if indeed you have picked up the press gallery, <laughs> as a few of you said you were going to last night, because people learned I'm Australian by watching the uh, yeah. <laughs> the debate last night. I got off and I had, my phone was off and then um, turned it on and suddenly I've got all these Twitter notifications of people going, Emma, I didn't know you were Australian. This is amazing. And I'm like, hey, subscribe to the Press Gallery podcast and you get to hear me talk in my accent every week. <laughs> um, let's move along. Uh, we did reference this a little bit in our previous discussion just then. Mark Smith, United Conservative Party candidate for Drayton Valley, Devon. He has been in a um, bit of controversy this week. Clancy, do you want to uh, explain what's been happening? Sure. On Tuesday, it's a CJSR radio station, Gay Wire, released a clip of a sermon that Mark Smith gave at his church in Drayton Valley in 2013. And the clip is absurd in terms of how horrible um, his comments are related to LGBTQ love. He compares it in a really roundabout way to pedophilia and um, brings up abortion within the same clip that's on Twitter, it's online, it's in our stories um, to listen to it. And the response was swift from the public saying that this was deeply offensive and questioning why Mark Smith is on the UCP ballot. So what's been interesting about 
the controversy coming out of this is that we have also learned that Mark Smith, uh, who was education critic for the UCP, drafted a memo while he was um, a Wild Rose MLA that related to whether private or Christian schools should be allowed to fire gay teachers. And so that kind of demonstrates that this clip wasn't necessarily a one-off in terms of his views related to LGBTQ rights. This has caused a huge shitstorm for the UCP because it's... um, It raises questions about where the party stands on these issues that are touted by social conservative communities. We saw last week when the UCP released their education platform, there were rallies in Edmonton and Calgary from people concerned about protections for LGBTQ students being rolled back uh, in gay-straight alliances, for students trying to start gay-straight alliances. So, this is an issue that's uh, that's tied to policy. We have this candidate who's still running for the UCP. Jason Kenney said that uh, he is standing by Mark Smith as a candidate, uh, referring to Smith's uh, written statement that he posted on Facebook where he apologized. Actually, he didn't apologize for the comments, did he? he no, he said, said I'm it deeply, was years yeah. ago. He, no, he said, I'm, I'm sorry if I, to anyone I offended. Right. I apologize to anyone if I offended you. Right. And he said. Which is not a real apology, guys. Like, if you're going to apologize, just apologize. Don't say, oh, sorry if I offended you. Right. And I think that's. Because, yeah, you did. That's why you're apologizing, dum-dum. And I think that's what a lot of the narrative this week around this issue has come down to. Uh, Jason Kenney's response in standing by Mark Smith and whether Smith, uh, especially for his constituents in Drayton Valley, Devon, or Kenney, if they've offered genuine, uh, sincere apologies to communities hurt by those really dreadful comments that were five years ago, like, or six years ago. It's interesting to Jason Kenney, um, and I was at a press conference with him out at Enoch Cree First Nation. That was actually pretty cool. Uh, That's actually a pretty cool um, platform that they just announced this week, which we'll get to in a little minute here. But um, Kenny was asked about Mark Smith and he kind of said, yeah, I found those comments offensive. I found them hurtful. Um, And I think, Clancy, you asked Jason Kenny, well, like, what should he say to the LGBTQ community? And he said, I hope he reaches out to them. I hope he actually has a conversation with them. But he also, Jason Kenny also took the tack of, I never, that was before he was an MLA. I never heard him say anything like that when he was an MLA. But then you've got this memo he drafted. And then we have this other interesting little development here about, Mark Smith and also Grant Hunter, who is running again for re-election done in Carson Tabor for the UCP. And they were part of something in the Wild Rose Party called the Family and Social Values Committee. And it was kind of this five-member committee, so two MLAs, and then we had three other people as well. We had Tim Dick, who was with Wild Rose Policy Development. He is now with or he was part of the UCP's policy development committee. And two other folks as well, and Jojo Ruber and uh, Maureen Goff. And they wrote this, apparently as it used to work, they would write a lot of research kind of papers and, and positions and that kind of things according to what they decided was the, you know, family and social values of the then Wild Rose Party. But they wrote one 
just when all that controversy was coming up about Harvest Baptist Church, I don't know if you guys remember what happened here, basically the NDP brought in more protections for Gay Straight Alliances, um, Bill 24, and there was um, the a Baptist a Christian Academy said, we are not doing that. We're not going to do that. You can't make us. It's against our religious freedoms and rights. Now, this committee that... Grant Hunter and Mark Smith were both on, wrote this big long paper about it. It was September 2016. It was leaked to me. One of the questions that comes up there is about conversion therapy. And the question is, okay, they have this series of questions and answers. Why are you supporting a school that would practice conversion therapy on young children? Their answer was basically the government has no right to interfere in that. They said conversion therapy is a psychosocial and religious practice. It's not up to government to determine a person's religious beliefs or proscribe psychosocial counselling. So we've basically got two UCP candidates while they were Wild Rose MLAs coming out saying conversion therapies, whatevs, like, you know. And we fine. should just note that conversion therapy has destroyed people's lives and Absolutely. is completely unfounded in science and is a horrible thing to do to anybody who is gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the NDP is promising to uh, to introduce some legislation if they're reelected to uh, to ban conversion therapy. We haven't seen any of the details on that. And uh, the UCP has said, I think, that they would have to take a look at the legislation before yeah. taking a position on conversion therapy. They haven't mentioned it in their in their platform. Right, at all. right, exactly. So this is this is a good point, right? So uh, the defense of Mark Smith, in part from the UCP, has been, well, this stuff happened years ago. You know, he, values have changed. He realizes that. He's sort of apologized for it, right? Because the sermon came out in, in 2013. You know, six years ago, potentially somebody could have changed their views since then. However- I then, like olives <laughs> now, and I did not like olives There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Same, Comparable. Avocados yeah, with me, totally right? Yeah, totally come But then you have- this uh, document that comes out uh, suggesting that uh, Christian schools should be free to fire uh, homosexual teachers. And now you have this story from Emma about uh, essentially the government should uh, not interfere in any kind of conversion therapy that yep. might be practiced at, at various schools. Wow. Uh, Mark Smith and Grant Hunter were MLA, so we're talking only three years ago at this point. Mm -hmm. So their defense of values yeah, have not changed. Not even three years ago, September not even, 2016. There so you go. So two and a half years ago. Yes. Yeah. So the idea that values have changed starts to get a little thin at this point, right? And when you add in the fact that the UCP has come out with this this, in my view, reprehensible policy on GSAs, rolling back protections for gay kids, uh, I think you start to see a pattern emerging here that uh, Jason Kenney is still giving a shout out, giving a nod to the religious right, the people who practice homophobia. To me, it's not right. It's absolutely not right. There's a saying that one gets judged by the, by the company with which they keep. And this Mark Smith thing is, is an indication that people have a right to judge Jason Kenney and the UCP based on even if Jason Kenney disavows these beliefs, you have someone in your party that has espoused these beliefs and they're problematic. And, they're like, and that's just the bare minimum. It's a problematic thing to have Mark Smith running for your party right now. doesn't matter. You know, you had Kalen Ford resign. You had Eva Kiriakos resign. You know, I apologize for the pronunciations, but you have them resign but you're going to keep Mark Smith in the party. And the, the deadline is passed. So one, yeah, one, <laughs> one would think that, um, and it's a cynic's view, that he's being kept in 
because if we disavow him now, we give up a safe seat to potentially the NDP because who else is going to win that riding? Or even if they disavowed him, he could still win and then get shunted out of caucus and he's in an independent MLA. But that's the cynical view of of what they're doing. The other view is he's not seen as that bad. And I think that a lot of a lot of people who are looking at how Kenny has handled this are leaning to the Kenny is keeping him in because Kenny doesn't think what he what he said is that bad, which is problematic for Jason Kenny with a certain segment of voters. And I think even a certain segment of conservative voters who don't like the party stance on certain social issues. I think an, it's an interesting question to consider what damage this potentially would do to the UCP if the economy were doing better, because um, that's kind of the perspective that I've heard from political analysts on this issue. We had the Lake of Fire moment um, in 2012 that derailed the Wild Rose campaign. And I just think that, uh, you know, talking to analysts about what impact this will have on UCP support, the answer is probably not much. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably this will not affect their their numbers. What I think is perhaps more of a concern is that Mark Smith is looking at being an MLA, contributing to policy, obviously holding these views and not apologizing in a sincere way Mm -hmm. that we've seen so far uh, to make amends at least for the hurtful things that he has said to the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, if you're going to apologize, actually apologize. Don't just say, sorry if I offended you. And don't just release a written statement. Like have the courage to stand up in front of media and tell people why your views have changed and um, that they were wrong. Yeah, on the on the um, the Mark Smith, Grant Hunter conversion therapy thing, and the story is just coming out here as um, we are recording this podcast, so we don't have reaction yet. But I did want to point out that another part in that story is this other attack website that um, a PAC has unveiled against the NDP. Shaping Alberta's Future has come up with this thing called uh, ndpfacts.ca. This is the fifth attack website we've seen this election. So yay, things are going super well here in Alberta. Um, (laughs) But I just, I want to pick up on the apology point because part of this new website, NDP, NDP, well, I guess he was an MLA, Craig Coolahan running for re-election. He helped edit a book that was extremely misogynistic, used a lot of terrible sexist language about teaching men how to sleep with women, about how to get women to sleep with you. The cover's gross. It's like this lady's legs and with a lacy thong kind of coming down. Like, it's just freaking yuck. Um, Anyway, the point that I'm going to make here is that, um, yes, that was Craig Coolhan. And he's like, it was 15 years ago. I'm going to read you the apology. 15 years ago, I was working to make a living as a freelance editor. At the time, I took a job editing a book that was in poor taste. My note, yeah, you did. Um, Back to the quotes. The comments in the book are offensive and not reflective of my values. I regret it and I apologize unequivocally. That's how you do an apology is you apologize unequivocally. You note that Craig Coolahan didn't put in there to those who were offended. (laughs) And I do think it was kind of funny that on Tuesday when this Mark Smith stuff broke, uh, we also had just a couple of other little eruptions from the UCP with um, candidate Shane Getson uh, in Laxane and Parkland, who uh, was kind of appeared to kind of support the Yellow Vest movement in some social media posts. And then we had Roger Reed, candidate for Livingston McLeod. And that was related two years ago in a sermon where he promoted a book that was um, that was anti-Muslim. Um, and so what was kind of interesting about the responses is that uh, 
the statement sent out from the UCP in response to questions about Roger Reed's apology and Mark Smith's apology kind of included the same lines. And it just it did seem a bit like formed. And that's uh, I mean, that's expected with a comms team. But I think when you're looking at these really socially divisive issues, especially with in Mark Smith's case, this was just handled really poorly by the party. They should have had him stand up and actually make an apology. But the and then the question becomes: Is the reason why he hasn't done that because he still holds these views? Yeah. Well, well the the UCP has written a number of these apologies, air quotes around apologies here, right? There's been a number of these. I think they've gotten their language down pat at this point. So to see it in multiple apologies. Uh, in the same week was not uh, was probably uh, expected. It's just disappointing, though, because it shows a real lack of individualized effort to deal with each incident on its own terms and to have the candidate, the actual candidate, speak themselves and say, this is how I feel about it. They're not letting those candidates speak. They These apologies are being handled from party headquarters. But in fairness, so is Craig Coolahan one, and yes. he hasn't bothered getting up either. So like and when we've tried to track these these guys down and they're just like, not not putting in front of the cameras. I know that CTV actually did manage to track down Mark Smith and said, have your views changed? He refused to talk to them about it and kind of like packed up and walked off, took his bat and ball and went home as it were. But yeah, like that – when you get them, when you get apologies, again, air quotes, managed by a comms team, you're going to get the same language and it just doesn't look sincere, particularly when you say, I apologized if I offended you. That's what my brother would have said as a kid. Sorry if I hurt you. <laughs> and he would have said it in that tone. And that's just how I read it, you know? Anyway, uh, another really quickly, I just want to talk about the Alberta Independence Party. Just super briefly here. I talk with Dave Bjorkman, who's head of the party, and the reason I want to bring this up is because they did a little um, demonstration outside the debate last night. They had a couple of guys who were running for office with the Alberta Independence Party doing a protest outside, doing a Facebook Live saying they won't invite us. Look, we're stuck behind this chain link fence. They won't even let us in. But the Alberta Independence Party, 63 candidates. What a shock. What a what's coming coming up from behind, you <laughs> know, in the race. More than the Liberal Party. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, say what you like, they're a fringe party, sure, but look how many freaking candidates they have. And yes, their main platform is separating from Canada. However, they have a very other a whole bunch of detailed plans about how that would work, what they would do with Alberta's taxation system, education funding. Pension plans, uh, a new Alberta police force. Dave Bjorkman tells me they are definitely going to get a seat on the UN Security Council, the independent nation of Alberta. Um, <laughs> I, I can just, just say, see the US, China, and Russia <laughs> saying, Yeah, Alberta, absolutely, join us at the table. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to put it out there that I'm shocked that they got so many candidates. Also, they are the fourth highest yes. number of candidates yeah, they behind do. the NDP, UCP and Alberta party. Yep. yep. Then the Alberta Independence Party, then the Liberal Party, and then I think the Freedom Conservative Party. Derek yeah. Fildebrand, also leader of Freedom Conservatives, didn't get an invite to the debate last night. And, and personally, I, think, we were, I think that's a shame. Yeah, I think the debate was poor for it. I, just for entertainment value alone, I think it would have been fun to see Derek there. I would have yeah. loved to see that debate. Yeah, five people on stage would have been tough, but my God, it would have been worth it, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it would have been great. Anyway... Miss you, Derek. He did his own little um, live Q&A on Facebook while the debate was happening. I kind of want to rewatch that. Yeah, I'm going to go and check that out afterwards for sure. And then also this week, and very briefly, and then we have to move on to good stuff, Jeff Calloway down in Calgary, uh, Keith 
Do you want to tell us what happened here? <laughs> well, I wasn't covering it, obviously. I was, some folks down in Calgary were. But yeah, essentially, uh, Jeff Calloway and, and some folks uh, around him have been, uh, they went to court. They, uh, they're, of course, under investigation right now from the elections commissioner, possibly also the RCMP. But they went to court to stop the election commissioner's investigation in particular. Basically, the argument was uh, they don't need to be investigating or putting out findings during the election because this isn't urgent, uh, because it might uh, it, it might inflict uh, damage on, on uh, how people see the election. Uh, as it turned out, uh, the judge took a couple of days to consider this. Uh, it looks like she did suggest that there maybe were some process issues with how the elections commissioners handled this but ultimately did not grant the injunction. The investigation will continue. Whether we will see any kind of uh, more findings or fines released uh, during the campaign period, well, it's hard to say. We only have 11 days to go at this point, mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately not successful for Jeff Calloway at this point. Thank you very much. Let's move on to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things we have seen, heard, or listened to, or read lately that we think you might also enjoy, dear darling listeners who we love very much. Clancy, you want to kick us off, mate? Sure. I want to just first of all start off by saying that uh, because so much happens in a week here, last weekend Emma and I worked overtime to bring really comprehensive um, oh, yeah. coverage oh, yeah, to, the, <laughs> yeah, to the platforms of the UCP and the NDP. So I would just uh, recommend people go on our website and check out some of the coverage we did because it does lay out what the big uh, party plans are and it's it's important information for voters. Plus, you can find links to the actual platforms themselves if you'd like to read them. But um, on my Good Stuff recommendation, I want to recommend the interview that Charles Adler did with uh, Jason Kenney this week and with Rachel Notley. I think it's a really interesting interview to listen to because uh, Jason Kenney has asked some pretty difficult questions. And it was obviously, you know, an interview that everyone in Alberta political circles uh, listened to this week and uh, had a lot of different opinions on. So I would recommend that. And uh, yeah, it's worth a listen. Keith, what do you got for us? Yeah, well, I'd echo uh, uh, Claire's first point that uh, you should check out our coverage of the, the platforms. Uh, yeah, the, we're awesome. Uh, we're awesome. The UCP <laughs> platform is 150 some pages. Uh, the NDPs is 44. So it's a lot of reading. You can go and read those platforms yourself. But <laughs> trust me, you're going to have a better time reading our coverage of it. Oh my God, I uh, accidentally <laughs> left one of them on my uh, dining room table and my cat who likes to tear up paper has literally torn up one of those election <laughs> platforms. I will not tell you which one. Lord William, my cat is Yeah, don't tell us the bias of, I will of not. your cat. No, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my good stuff. Uh, I have uh, been trying to keep uh, some attention on the scandal going on in Ottawa these days, right? The SNC level, oh, and yeah, thing, which that just chestnut. keeps happening, yeah. right? So anyway, I've been enjoying uh, Paul Wells's stuff on this uh, from McLean's. He's got a new one this week called In the Abandoned Ruins of Ottawa, just on the latest updates with Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott getting kicked out of the Liberal caucus. Uh, it's quite good. I'm going to recommend a piece. I like to take you guys to Australia sometimes. Australia. I'm going to recommend a piece from ABC News Australia. It is, um, it's an interview. It's about uh, 16 minutes long, so it won't take up too much of your time. Super interesting. It's called In Defense of Lobbyists. So in Australia, apparently as many as a quarter of former ministers become lobbyists. Here in Alberta, I'm not sure about what the numbers are, but you do see a lot of politicians kind of go into that role of lobbyists, a lot of political staffers too. Um, so basically they take a look at that kind of porous wall between politics and lobbying 
and say, what actually does a lobbyist do? Like, what's it like behind the scenes? And it's an Australian uh, take on the whole thing. Highly recommend it. It's on something called The Signal uh, on ABC. Dave, take us home. I'm going to get a, a, another shameless plug-in for our platform coverage, specifically Keith and I dug into it uh, for listeners of the press gallery. This may be, you may have already heard it, but if you haven't listened to it in your queue on your device, go back to the press gallery interview from a couple of days ago. But my good stuff, um, I saw it shared out on social media this morning and then uh, during my walk to the bus. <laughs> I read as I was walking. It's, it's That's so you get hit by a car, Dave. No, it was all good. Um, it is from The Atlantic. It's called They Had It Coming. The parents indicted in the college admissions scandal were responding to a change oh, in America with yes. rage at being robbed of yes. what they believed was rightfully theirs. It is such a well-written piece, both from the perspective of the writer who used to be a college counselor at a high-end prep school in Los Angeles yeah. and her perspective, but then also digging through the affidavit and it's written like beautiful literary fashion. It's one of the best written pieces I've read in a long I'm time. I'm so excited to read that also because that scandal is so nuts. Yeah, like, it's man. really good. Awesome. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for joining me for another week here on the Press Gallery. Claire Clancy, Keith Jirai and Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for taking time out of your day as well, listeners, to join us. We will, of course, be back, she said, with just a look on her face. How would you describe this right now? Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of a deer caught in the headlights right now. We'll be back, of course, with our midweek episode uh, midweek, so probably Wednesday next week at some point, and, of course, next Friday with more Press Gallery analysis here during the Alberta election on the Press Gallery.